it seems a little bit like kind of throwing throwing the batch of apples out because 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 one is a bit rotten and and it seems to be the big motivation for this is the uh, abusive hey, use of of profanity you're, you're um my friend your your br- very british definition of brevity is um <laughs> perhaps a little i don't know maybe a, a let me expound <laughs> on this Fine article. <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah, Office is banning nudity, swearing, and Skype emails. Office 365 docs. That's weird, Microsoft. Bye. This is Chris. And, like, it's, you know, it's just Friday, and we're just really happy about that. This is Shiny Podcast. Tiny Shiny, following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. And what an intro it was. (laughs) It's great. That music just hit me real hard there. Oh my god, I, I'm always moved by the music. Bold over. Our friends, you'll probably notice some things right away. Number one, the quality of my audio sucks, uh, and so does the quality of my voice. But we fight through whatever's living in my nasal passages to bring to you the uh, the update that you deserve. This is going to be a tiny shiny, which is a way better name than short and shiny. And I wish we'd <laughs> thought of it before we published an episode. Uh Though tiny, this will be jam-packed with some of the bigger bits of news from the last two or three weeks, as well as the past couple days. These are your technology veggies. This is this is the the green side of your plate. You're welcome to indulge further in any of the 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 cheesy dessert, which is at the end. Will be very quick, but this is the stuff you need to know about what's been going on in technology. So, right off the top, some pretty sad news, although amazing when you think about how long the man actually lived. But beloved and brilliant scientist Stephen Hawking, Star Trek star Stephen Hawking, died at age 76. Oh, yeah. Although I moment of silence right there. Yeah. (laughs) Although I, it's it's amazing that he lived as long as he did. Uh, I think he had a much shorter lifespan expectancy than than that (laughs) when he was first diagnosed. Um, My understanding is people with the condition that he had usually don't live past twenty five or thirty. That is correct. Yep. So he lived to be 76. That is crazy. And um, and he left us with some fairly terrifying last works to ponder. Uh, and con- somewhat uh, concerning the uh, nature of multiverses and how we might bridge them. Uh, so uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> In the more immediate future, we just need to get off this damn planet, though. 
I think the next several stories will confirm that. Uh, Godspeed, <laughs> Stephen Hawking. You Godspeed. have uh, done us all an amazing amount of service, and may you rest in peace. And how. So, anybody who has um, ever pondered how they can use their uh, smart device to uh, help them lose a little weight is probably woken up to a really dumb morning. Yeah, I got that email. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So, my fitness pal. Uh, or rather... Perhaps you've heard of it? The world's most popular weight loss uh, application. It's run phones. by Under Armour. I would dare say that pretty much everybody listening to this podcast probably knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> Has reported. I'm not in... saying anything. I just I bet that's a truth. It Maybe is. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have reported a massive breach of 150 million MyFitnessPal accounts. That's a lot of data. That's, that's a lot of millions of people. <laughs> It sure is. So on uh, on Friday, uh, this would have probably been last or no, it was today. Sorry, it was today. The uh, Friday, the 30th uh, company said that on March 25th. So five days ago, the company began aware that in February of this past year, 2018, an unauthorized party acquired data associated with my fitness pal user accounts. Great. Yeah. So. Some of the things that were exposed were usernames, email addresses, and passwords. Um, I think the company has said that things like credit card numbers and social security numbers were not part of the breach. I don't know why you would have given your social security number to my fitness pal, but if you did, they said it shouldn't have been breached. Which means that their login uh, mechanisms were weak, but perhaps had good encryption on parts of your user account that needed to be encrypted. That would stand to uh, reason, yes. The other, um, which is, you know, which means that they have a, a fairly segmented and level-headed, uh, or leveled, you know, approach to security. Though the bar is low, but yes. Not good enough. Um, however, it I think it's worth mentioning that they uh, disclosed of this breach within uh only or yeah only four days after learning of it which is a uh wonderfully rapid response time and and um something that other companies uh i have given in you know on the show a lot of shit for taking their time disclosing this kind of thing before under armor came clean right away um and they just showed the entirety of the problem which is uh i i think um uh, good, which is which is what you're supposed to do. Right. And, and they deserve. They, I hate. I hate that it's such a standout event, but uh, they deserve credit for that. Right on. Agreed. Uh, you know they bought. Uh, you know Under Armour purchased my Fitness Pal a couple years ago. Do you know how much they bought it for? I don't. Four hundred seventy-five million dollars. Wow. That must sting this morning, huh? Yeah. <laughs> But so many people use it. I don't know that people will abandon it in light of, of this information. I, I have to be honest. I mean, 
you know, I'm going to change my password a little bit more often. I've never given them money, so they don't have any of that information anyways. But it's been pretty integral to my weight loss so far. So it I, I'm sort of convinced there isn't a tool for this that's better than my fitness pal. I don't think that anything exists that's better than it. So if anyone in the audience knows of a thing that's better than my fitness pal, uh, why don't you go ahead and let us know? Uh, now that our email works again, uh, <laughs> at hello at shinypodcast.com. Uh, all right, moving on. This is the craziest story of the, the first quarter of 2018, I think, by far. This is, I think, a perfect framing for... Uh, well, I'm not going to say, uh, except for one story that we're not covering in this particular episode, which we'll tell you about at the end and why. Um, this is the second craziest thing to happen in the first <laughs> quarter of, of 2018 thus far, and that is actually a, uh, uh, a very long list. <laughs> this started as what I, I thought would be another specter meltdown level uh technical fuck up on the part of a major uh silicon manufacturer but that's not all that happened this plot has uh has thickened quite a bit over time and we are left with a story that culminates in a a a, a window into how cutthroat security and uh, specifically exploits as a product have become. So mm -hmm. Colin, take the golden microphone. <laughs> so AMD, uh, one of two primary CPU manufacturers, was found to have some flaws, some issues with their CPU chipset architecture. And so it was brought to the public's attention in a way that made it seem like it was very similar to the issues with, you know, Spectre and Meltdown, which were issues with, with Intel CPUs. And so it was kind of presented in a way that made you think that, oh man, here we go. Like AMD's got the same problem. You know, they also had all of these vulnerabilities with their CPUs that, uh, that, that, that these problems weren't just Intel's. And so these these issues were and, and you know, we can go into the, the intricacies of the actual um, vulnerabilities, but I don't know that that's the main story here. So the, uh, it, the very quick version is that the Intel uh, bugs had a lot to do with speculative execution, which was the chip trying to guess what logic to run ahead of whatever it was that you were trying to do with the chip, thus saving time. A little bit different, right? Thinking ahead of the game. <clears throat> this flaw is centered around the management engine, which on an AMD chip is called a, a PSP. What that stands for escapes me at the moment, but it's equivalent to the Intel management engine. It's a tiny little ARM chip on the bigger chip that has direct access to the memory and allows for uh, enterprises to have a degree of remote control over computers at a lower level than the operating system. But but the 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 key difference with the AMD uh, exploits is that it already required somebody to have administrator access. On exactly. The yeah. Big difference. So 
anybody I think would tell you that by the time somebody is physically at your computer or has administrative access to your computer, it's already the game gone. is already yeah, over. Like yeah. there's a billion <laughs> ways to 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 you know skim that particular cat. <laughs> right. And, and so No, that was that was a that was a handoff. Oh, a, thank a you. One, but <laughs> And so, and so, and so, this came to light via a security audit uh, uh, organization called CTS Labs. They are an Israeli based company and they published a report. Uh, also known, known as a white paper, identifying the four classes of potential vulnerabilities of the AMD CPU architecture. And wouldn't you know it, they have fancy names. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> have uh, Ryzen, EPYC, Ryzen Pro, and Ryzen Mobile Processor lines. Um, and so this report came out and... What what came to to, to light and, and kind of the, the larger story here is that this company, CTS Labs, gave AMD 24 hours notice before publishing their findings to to news outlets. And in fact, well, we'll get to that in a little bit, actually. Um, so that is to, to, to kind of clarify, that is very unusual. It is very unusual no time to at all <laughs> to to look into those, to corroborate those statements, to potentially fix some things given enough time. So it's it's unusual. There's this thing in in uh, security called responsible disclosure, which is this process that you usually go through to give the parent company of the issue time to develop a fix, so that when you go public with it. It's not an immediately exploitable problem, you see? It's a nice thing to do and kind of like the way it works. And yet, CTS deemed it unnecessary. Right. And we can talk a little bit about what their reasoning was behind that, but that's also part of, of the story here. So it started, I mean, that, that in itself, that CTS Labs did not give AMD more you know the usual 30 to 90 days <laughs> advanced notice of, of publication of their findings um that that started to raise some some questions who who are cts labs how long have they been doing this you know what how do they operate who what other customers do they do they serve and and so it, it it started to raise some questions there and some questions that were also asked by uh this this um uh, interview that ian cutris of anantech and uh, i can't remember the oh david kantner of real world tech uh did uh, uh an interview with the ceo and cfo of cts labs and we're gonna we're gonna post the 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 link to the article and it's a full transcript of of that conversation and man it stinks <laughs> uh it 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 reeks of some really shady stuff on cts labs and and that that's not to say that these vulnerabilities that they pointed out aren't real they are uh they do exist that that you know those things are true but 
you have to question their their motives and their practices and it it doesn't stack up and if you you know some 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 this transcript really uh highlights that that they a i don't I'm not really convinced they know what they're talking about, but also that I think they have some ulterior motives. That's my personal opinion, but um, you can be the judge for yourself. And it's a really interesting read if you're interested in this. So a company, another company in Israel, because there seems to be quite a few of these such companies in Israel, uh, develops a uh, set of exploits rushes to put it out in the public space and with it includes <clears throat> a report of the potential and projected uh negative effects that this will have on AMD's stocks. Um well, okay. I guess <laughs> business and technology are irrevocably linked, but boy, that that is a uh that I think betrays greater motives than just the pursuit of safer technology. Use. Absolutely, and with AMD's you... recent, you know, kind of get getting their hands into the market in a really powerful way, and all of a sudden this comes out, that does not seem like a coincidence. And in fact, if you read this art, this article with this interview, CTS Labs would not disclose the 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 company that paid them to do this audit hmm. which i find interesting well we shall see if that uh changes but this is uh quite the view into the uh quite the view into the high levels of corporate technical or te <laughs> corporate technology uh enterprise spy novel level increase <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll never know who it was until <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> oh yeah you're starting to sound pretty rough oh yeah I'm not feeling so good Is uh, Microsoft going windowless? And what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, cool. Not sure, but boy, The Verge loves to throw the word around. <laughs> so, for a long time now, I've I've had a, a theory that we've talked about a couple times that, you know, Microsoft is sort of like devaluating, devalu deprioritizing Windows mm -hmm. and is reprioritizing services, you know, stuff that you can plug into applications in the back end and sure. just sort of passively make money on. It's a kind of a good deal. Yeah. Uh, so goes um, Microsoft, so goes the, the world, I suppose. Everybody wants to be the uh, software as a service cloud uh, product of choice. But we have even more evidence that this actually might be happening as a long time uh, a long time executive responsible for the Windows platform is leaving Microsoft. His position has been broken up into about five other uh, sort of sliced off positions. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so instead of a, a sort of like singular 
platform management structure they're going to spin off uh parts of it the only um yeah my understanding is that they're going to have like windows devices um and then there's like the windows experience so like the os itself and then there's a few others the the only one that uh kind of already is a branch and in, inside in its own organization and is being left largely intact and untouched is the gaming uh division sure. that's still going to kind of operate in the same way that it has until uh now but okay other than that windows has sort of been sliced up into um just a, a, a several different management structures taking on pieces of it you know it it yeah. does it does surprise me a little bit that the gaming sector of, or section uh, uh, arm of, of their, you know, of, of this change actually isn't being changed because I feel like the whole uh, streaming as a service, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've, you know, uh, something that's becoming a little kind of popular right now is that you can, there are companies that uh, will, they own and operate the systems and you can street for a, a subscription stream those games from their servers to your PC. Um, so you don't have to own the, um, the higher end architecture to run those games. It just gets streamed to your, your, uh, monitor your tv whatever so it, i find it interesting that they aren't going in that direction given this development that's true um i, I mean i suppose nothing prohibits that but it, it's it's you're 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 right that's something i didn't really think about um that's that's a uh, uh, like you'd think that would be a slam dunk actually <laughs> right well exactly and i think that if they were really looking to innovate they would uh they would get on that a little bit earlier than their competition because playstation uh has a has kind of dipped their toes a little bit into that sort of thing um i i haven't used it uh but um I would think it would be worth like if they were if they were going to change that aspect of their operating system, why wouldn't they start to to kind of change things up with their gaming arm? I don't know. It's Microsoft is a is a weird company in that yeah. is, you know, <laughs> such a, a a hydra, right? So that 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 gaming remains relatively untouched must speak to the fact that it's such a cash cow already and commands its own internal power um you know that must just be that you know that's already you, you, nobody telling the gaming department what to do no nope. <laughs> fair enough but i i i don't have i don't have the article or the numbers to to back up but i i remember reading recently that that actually microsoft is really behind on the in in their um in that that part of their their company compared to like sony um uh or just steam itself yeah ex exactly they're they're really behind in that respect and they're actually having trouble keeping up they don't have a whole lot of it. good console exclusives like playstation does and so they're really struggling right. with that so to hear that they're not changing it at all is like are you kidding <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, uh, you yeah. Know, remember, Microsoft is now a cloud-first, mobile-first company, as uh, Satya Nadella said on his first day, 
which always made me question his ability to do basic math. But, you know. <laughs> and again, you know, they have like something like uh, 300 million Azure customers right now. Those are like people who are paying per month, you know, not just like, you know, buying a license once at time of device purchase or something. It's like, uh, you know, monthly cash flow bananas your platform so that is bananas it is it is but that's 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 the reality of it man and how many of those services are uh, running linux by the way yeah a lot of them <laughs> right a on a lot of them uh anyway <laughs> <laughs> This is a big deal for uh, my system administrator friends out there. The Let's Encrypt uh, service, which has been out for a while now, lets you encrypt your website with HTTPS traffic for free. And it's automated, which is awesome. You can just stick it into in a cron job and call it a day. It's wonderful. And now you can use wildcard certs. And what do wildcard certs do? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> wildcard certs let you apply the same certificate, the same SSL certificate across subdomains. So instead of just having a single certificate covering, say, shinypodcast.com, we could use, uh, but having to, uh, but then having to uh, spin up a separate instance with a separate automation mechanism for say chat.shinypodcast.com mm -hmm. or monkeypictures.shinypodcast.com <laughs> that page is coming soon yeah by the way stand by <laughs> folks um you can yeah you, you can use a single certificate for all of them got which, it you which was not a thing in uh, until recently that's something that you uh, traditionally would have to pay big bucks for from one of the major uh, certificate authorities. Man, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know. To to be perfectly honest, I didn't really know how that worked, and that's really cool. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, for a long time now, you've been able to buy different types of certificates covering different domain structures and use cases, and now that uh, Let's Encrypt has enabled this functionality it really really a lowers the barrier of entry for people to get uh to to get up and going with their new uh, site or web app and 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 b keeps that very affordable uh f for all parties and of course c the most important part helps to ensure that more of the internet will be encrypted uh and so your traffic is truly your traffic and not yeah. being mind off for somebody else <laughs> and from just just from an optics point of view you know somebody visiting your web page you know it, it's more likely to have that secure certificate um as opposed to not it just just yeah. looks better yep you get that little green lock which everybody yeah. likes to see yeah, and yeah. Feel safe <laughs> right cool The last story that we're going to cover uh, today is a long, long, ancient graybeard of a story. It is uh, a, something that's been going on since, I believe, 2010. 
a long, Jeez. long time Eight ago years. when <laughs> Google first purchased Android. We have to give you a little bit of context so that you'll you'll understand this, but I'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up quick because we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, a long, long time ago, when Google purchased Android, remember they purchased Android. They had themselves a problem where Apple had beaten them to the market with a mobile device, and they wanted to do something that would be able to quickly onboard people to develop applications for the Android platform. So. What they did was they developed Android to use Java. This had the benefit of uh, making every person who knew Java an overnight Android developer. And since mobile was so hot, a lot of people rushed yeah, in. Yeah, fell to, under that, to, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just was, was drawn to it because it was just, you know, an instant thing. <clears throat> Java had the benefit of being uh running on a on a on the java virtual machine right the the that made it easy to port your applications across many devices because it was actually insulated in its own little virtual machine layer of course it made you know android suck on battery uh, for a time, <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's a different story so for those of you old enough to remember java the programming language used to be owned and developed by a company called Sun Microsystems. Mm -hmm. Sun Microsystems were the shining white knight, the bastion of hope on the hill, the open source angels. They're dead now. They <laughs> were swallowed up by the evil black hole, Oracle. Oracle ate Sun, and with it, all the technology that Sun created. Some of my favorites, like ZFS, the best file system on the planet, were created by Sun and then um, swallowed by Oracle. So this complaint has gone back and forth a couple times, this court case where Oracle sued Google for using, though they developed an entirely separate method of actually running these applications mm -hmm. they copied the they copied the language to the degree that it that you could use the same programming ideas and paradigms immediately on android okay oracle sued google for not obtaining a license to do so uh. google claimed that those were open APIs and open standards uh, or, or, or open code as per the open source project of, of Java, and they didn't need to do that. Except for the little problem that Google's own lawyers identified this as a thing that they were going to have to get a license for as per the license that was on the Java software at the time. Oops. And Google, as you can read in these emails, chose to ignore that and go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> I would say fortune so, favors the bold, but <laughs> I don't, not in this case. Well, with about, what is it, a, 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 a 
over a billion active Android devices today. It's certainly played off, uh, paid off in the in the short and midterm. But here we are. This case has bounced around now twice. Once Google has uh, Oracle has uh, won and Google appealed, and then Google won and Oracle appeals now. And it's very possible this could go all the way up to the Supreme Court. This is important because it's very possible at the end of this court case, there's going to be a new legal precedent and interpretation of, of software licensing in, in general. Mm. And that's just not something that has had a lot of case law sure written, uh, you know around it there's just not a lot of of stuff testing the limits of software licensure and it has a lot of ramifications for people who develop say applications um perhaps open source applications perhaps closed source applications that rely on a third party api mm -hmm. you know like think about somebody like spotify who so long as you agree to always play ads for people who do not purchase the premium service from Spotify, they let third-party developers make applications that can actually access the features of Spotify without without needing the overhead of the entire Spotify app. Gotcha. Like you can bang off, you know, Spotify servers and ask for an audio stream if you have, you know, the proper authentication stuff uh, uh, set up. Gotcha. Which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> <Which> yeah. Is, <laughs> you know? And so a lot of people get creative with that. And it's it's sort of this facet of of the you know development culture where people, you know, being able to open use open APIs and 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 play around with that stuff is and, is an and so is, thing. is is the concern that if Oracle wins out ultimately in this case that that sort of creativity would be stifled? It will bring into question the uh, whether or not allowing such activity is a violation of intellectual property. Got it. And so, thus, and it will, and it will create uncertainty around, you know, how much can be allowed without giving away trademark. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hope Google wins. <laughs> I am split because the problem is that in this case google totally messed up i mean totally. messed up <laughs> yeah around such an important issue they chose to be greedy. little yep. <laughs> perhaps <laughs> evil in fact and now a good thing may face the consequences May, may may endure the consequences of their greedy action mm -hmm. even though even though the result that i think would enable the most freedom uh for people that we in sort of uh the the open source development community would like to see it would have it would it would do so on the back of a selfish greedy behavior so we're kind of in a really stupid situation with this case. And now the foremost uh, experts on technology in the world, the United States Supreme Court, are going to be called to make that decision for us. Cool.
<laughs> There's no way that won't go poorly. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, friends, you probably noticed that we left out a couple of big stories from the last couple weeks. Uh, perhaps you've heard of a tiny little startup called Facebook and some pals in Britain called Cambridge Analytica. Oh, yes, I thought it was Facebook. Shit. Facebook. Facebook. Yes, we're very aware of this story and we're following it very closely. We plan on delivering to you a full breakdown of how it was that Facebook uh, was utilized by Cambridge Analytica over the course of the election uh, in 2016. But because A, it's a huge story and B, it's an evolving story, we're going to save it for a time for uh, an episode where we have a little bit more time to get into it. Uh, so that's going to be next week. Also, next week, we're going to get into the big news around NVIDIA being uh, kind of jerks for the first time ever in their history <laughs> with the GeForce partnership program and how that is going to be uh, potentially detrimental for AMD's business. And uh, the also potentially dirty tactics that led to its uh development and and rollout but we gotta save that for next week fuck shit bollocks you know soon you're not gonna be able to say any of those things when microsoft bans nudity swearing in skype emails and office 365 docs that's right. Microsoft is planning to ban offensive language on Skype, in Outlook email, and in their Office 365 Word document. Um, that's real weird. <laughs> that is uh, real weird. And it seems a little bit like kind of throwing throwing the batch of apples out because 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 one is a bit rotten and and it seems to be the big motivation for this is the uh, abusive hey, use of of profanity you're, you're um my friend your your br very british definition of brevity is um <laughs> perhaps a little i don't know maybe a, a let me expound <laughs> on this Fine article. <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah, Office is banning nudity, swearing, and Skype emails. Office three sixty five docs. That's weird. Microsoft. Bye. First Android phone is available in the United States with Android Go, the super slim down and cheap version of Android for eighty dollars. You can get one. Beautiful. Sierra Leone just ran the first blockchain-based election, which is super, super cool. I hope more places do it. I don't even know what that means, but I want to invest. A generic Android open-source image is running on the brand-new Galaxy S9 from Samsung, thanks to Project Treble. Right on. And I do want to talk about Project Treble at a future date because I think it's really cool. It is. We'll put that in the next week's episode. Right on. Fuchsia Friday, a system built for instant apps on steroids. So Google has an upcoming OS for phones and computers. 
basically allows you to uh, run applications without actually having to install them. That's a super simple way of explaining that. It's a very difficult thing to explain in that in such few words, my friend. Well done. Um, Tesla is recalling a whole boatload of Model S's for faulty power steering bolts. Dag. Uh, so I'll have to go turn in my three. <laughs> Damn, mine is all halfway to Mars. <laughs> UK, uh, UK passes Collins uh, segment from from my face. Here you are. <laughs> Straight from Chris's face, UK fires up private space industry space camp accelerator launches. You want commercial space flight? UK just installed a new program to do so via their government. And last but not least, Macintoshes, the computer for people who... Oh, I shouldn't do that. Let me start over. <laughs> last but not least... Last but not least, the Macintosh computer will be able to use external J GPUs just like every other computer on the planet. <laughs> Thank God. Colin, this has been a very fun episode, and uh, it, it, it's always challenging just to, to, to not go on and on and on with you, but uh, it's, it's been wonderful, and thanks for uh, doing a tiny episode this time around. And how, and thank you, despite your maladies of the throat and nose. Uh, thank you for doing this and being awesome. So, you're most welcome. I can't even feel my face. <laughs> we, too much news. News ripped it all off. So, we will be back next week. Uh, next weekend is uh, PAX East. I'm going to try to do some recordings on site with some happenings around. And uh, if you want to hit us up, you can hit us up. Uh, my Twitter, at Kaliali11, Chris, at Flexola. Delete the Facebook! And then email hello at shinypodcast.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. We will see you soon. Yeah, email actually works now. <laughs>